Check out the nation news at ronanddonsitdown.com. Hey, you guys. What's going on? Uh, welcome to episode 309 now of the Ron and Don Show. And once again, we are live from the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up in the Ron and Don Show, we're going to tell you about the Bank of England. And they just did something pretty interesting, didn't they? Yeah, it involves their uh, founders and slave trade. And uh, it'll be a very interesting argument. Yeah, is uh, Jeopardy and Jeopardy? Let's talk about that. Before we talk about that, though, let's talk about this. Is Hurricane Irma. Is it Irma? I think it was Ida. Ida, that's right. Hurricane Ida just rode through the south and uh, last week rode through the north and did a lot of damage. I think it's kind of interesting when you see airplanes and helicopters fly over places like New Orleans and also you see just the incredible damage that was done to the infrastructure, especially when it comes to power. Uh, You see so much flooding. You see homes destroyed, lives destroyed, people are dead. And people in New Orleans are like, wow, we feel like we dodged a bullet. And the reason they feel like they dodged a bullet, because Hurricane Katrina was so devastating. Well, we have to understand, though, 16 years ago with Hurricane Katrina, if you were to measure out from the eye of that storm, you'd have to go out 106 miles to start getting to the bands of that storm. With this particular storm, this storm was much more powerful than Katrina was, but it was much smaller too. You don't have to go out 13 miles from the eye of that storm. So if you're within 13 miles of the eye of that storm, you're pretty uh-uh. Katrina though took a lot, just picked up a lot of water because that's what those storms do. They pick up a lot of water from the Gulf and they just drag it ashore. And typically, it's not the storm that kills you. It's the water that comes after. And that's why you have over 1,800 people that died 16 years ago in Hurricane Katrina. And, I, and, and, and Ron and I, we shared those stories. We were there for that. Here's the question. You look at New Orleans. It's in a bowl. It's anywhere that you live. You're actually below sea level. And the city continues to sink. And they say every decade, it may sink about somewhere between four to eight inches. When you look at a place like New Orleans, where we invested $88 billion in the Gulf South after Katrina, and they say, well, the levees held. I guess it's good that the levees held, but at the end of the day, there's no power there. And so a lot of my friends that stayed there during the storm and survived the storm, they're in places like Dallas now, and they've gone to Atlanta, and they've gone to California because they're like, It could be months until they turn the power back on. And if you've ever been through a hurricane in the aftermath of that, it gets very hot. It gets very sticky. It gets very dark. All the animals and the critters come out to play because they've all been displaced. And at night, when there's not a light on, it's a pretty scary damn thing, I have to tell you. Ron, New Orleans, is this a place that we should continue to spend money? And even as you look at the Gulf South, Should we continue to spend money knowing that climate change is going to change the face of history, and especially these places in the South, because these storms will just continue to come, it seems like, one after another. And in fact, as we're broadcasting right now, 
another storm is churning in the Gulf South. And they say because of climate change. These once-in-a-decade storms, we're going to see these now probably every single year. Well, I don't know if there's enough information enough climate change is real. <laughs> um, I mean, you're asking a question that we could insert the name Seattle instead of New Orleans. Any town on a coast uh, is now in a similar situation as as the world changes, and we, we could get catastrophic flooding. We could get uh, earthquakes. We could get uh, storms that, that come ashore to get a volcano damage. blow its top. You know, yeah, we have all, all that stuff. So I, I guess what we're talking about here is how do we navigate the future where we know stuff is going to be more and more volatile uh, until everybody wakes up and we start to you know make wholesale changes around climate change. And so my answer is yes, because you think of uh, of the history of New Orleans, the charm of that city. Um, you know, I don't think you just throw away an entire city, uh, especially with the, the demographic of that city and, uh, you know, how we would relocate everybody. Um, you know, you think of a city like Venice, Italy. It's, it's had to battle mightily to stay above water. But is it worth it? I think it is. I mean, it's one of the great cities in the world. I think New Orleans is unlike any other place I've ever been. So just as a, as a historical heritage artifact, I think you protect it. Um, has the money been spent efficiently? Have we done the right sort of remedies for to battle this stuff? No. And, you know, once you start to delve into the politics and follow the money trail, yeah, I have a bunch of, of criticisms around that. But the top line item of is a place worth saving? I think it is. What do you think? Yeah, well, I think what's important, you make a good point. Like 16 years ago, you look at the levees. If you don't know what a levee is, it's just a mad, mad-made big dern, just big piece of dirt. And they tried to uh, grow some vegetation and they tried to build that levee up maybe five, six, seven feet during Katrina where they think that the water could blow through and, and break and breach that levee. Well, now they've built them 25, 30 feet high because the storm surge, that big wall of water that comes with these big storms. And the good news is the money that they were supposed to spend on the levy from the federal government, they actually spent it. New Orleans has given a lot of money to fix their storm drains, to fix their levees, to fix their storm gates. And the problem is you have all these levy boards and the levy boards just siphoned off the money and they use it for other stuff, like to you know go to Disneyland. So the money that was supposed to be spent was stolen by a lot of the politicians there. And so after Katrina, when the federal government stepped in, they said, you know what? We're going to have the Army Corps of Engineers do this and we're going to keep an eye on the money and we're not going to start handing money out like we did with the road home money. Bunch of road home money. Let's get people home. Nobody came home, but all the money was given out. So that was a real issue and problem. And think about this. Mayor, May Nagan, uh, Mayor Ray Nagan, who nobody talks about anymore, is doing 20 years in the federal penitentiary for things that he did after the storm. But like we're what literally- he did is what most people do in New Orleans. And in fact, I can take you to bridges and structures that are named after mayors and governors who are complete pigs, and they basically stole from the communal trough all the time. And they're celebrated in New Orleans for being dirty. But you're so. a big fan of history. What is our history worth? That is the birthplace of jazz. That is the birthplace of uh, shipping goods up the Mississippi. That is the birthplace 
of the slave trade. Yep. That is the birthplace of the cotton industry. It's the birthplace of really the, the engine that built uh, Civil War era America was New Orleans. And so what is that worth? I think it's worth uh, preserving the good, the bad, the warts and all. All right, speaking of slavery, let's talk about that on the other side of this. You can just tell that they uh, that they're just real genuine guys and, and care about uh, who they work with and just feel like we you know we got we got some some more friends now. It truly is one of life's biggest transactions. If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit down. Hi, I'm Oli. Hi, I'm Emmy. Hi, I'm John Greenland. I'm Lauren Greenland. Hi, my name is uh, Anthony Kroll. Hi, I'm Gretchen. And I'm Byron. And we sat down with, with Ron and Don. Mm-hmm. They were more prepared. They paid way more attention to detail. Um, and then they just came in with a, with a lot more knowledge and were able to set those expectations up a lot better than um, some of the previous uh, realtors that we worked with. So, I mean, I was I was extremely pleased with uh, the the entire, the, the sit down, the, the experience and, and the results, of course. There was a friendship that developed and a, and a, and a trust. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say a trust and then, you know, we yeah. have, we love them. It's been a hell of a lot of fun for one thing. I see them as, as friends now. I feel like they've made me feel part of this community. And knowing that, you know, Dawn's just down the street is, is comforting. <laughs> <laughs> we totally consider Ron and Dawn friends of ours now. And we do miss working with them. It was intense there for a little bit. But it's an experience that we'll always remember and have, and um, and now lifelong friends. It's the Ron and Don Nation. That's right. <laughs> Don't forget, when you're ready to sit down and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. When you're ready to sit down with the guys and talk about your real estate journey, just go to rondonsitdown.com. That's rondonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to episode 309. Again, if you want to get those buyer's playbooks, the seller's playbooks, uh, we've written those just for you. All you have to do is write Ron, Ron at windermere.com, and we'll get those off to you today, and we can talk about your real estate journey. Also, the website ronanddonsitdown.com. Bank of England, what did they just do? So th- this is a very interesting topic. I'm, I'm interested to see what you have to say about it. Bank of America uh, did sort of an audit of its founders. And this is a bank, bank of England or Bank of America? Bank, bank of England, I'm sorry. Bank of England did an audit of, of some of their founders. And this is a banking institution that goes back uh, to the 1700s and maybe even longer than that. And so what they've done is removed some paintings and artifacts and memorabilia of founders they had that were tied to the slave trade. And they, you know, the, the East India company and all that stuff that built a lot of wealth for the, the English Commonwealth um, is tied to slave trade. And so what they're trying to do and part of this is public relations. Part of this is criticism uh, from people is to, sanitize, if you will, or distance themselves from people. And let me bring this, uh, the people that, that were involved in this. Let me bring this a little closer to home. I just went, me and my, my brother and I uh, uh, this year, we happened to find ourselves at Yale University. And I did not know that Mr. Yale financed that college uh, through slave trade money. That's how he built his wealth. 
And there are people that are like, can't, can we change the name of this from, from away from Yale to any other name? Like, do we really want a slave trader uh, to be uh, the name and face of our university? And I think most of the founding fathers uh, own slaves. So how do we deal with this um, on its face first? And then I have a second follow-up question with that after I get your take on it. You know what I would do on stuff like this is ask black people. Like, I I brought up this very question. I was at a party. Uh, One of my black friends invited me. He, He said, you know, it's a big deal when you get invited to the barbecue. And it was a barbecue, and it was a big deal. And it was his family, and I was one of the only white people there, myself and my son, and we had such a great time. I brought up this question, though, and most of the black people at the barbecue, because I brought up money, I brought up George Washington, I brought up these types of things. With I didn't bring up Yale because I didn't know that story yet. And the majority of the people at the party, and this surprised me, they were, they were just like, can we get over it? Can we just get over it? Let's get over it. Let's get over it. Let's move on. Let's understand it. But we can't sit here and change our currency. We can't take every statue down. We can't change every state flag. And we can't change uh, every road that's been named, especially in the South, after somebody that had something to do with the Civil War on, on on the Southern side. I thought that was interesting. So I think a lot of these questions, instead of white people deciding... I think we need to let black people weigh in a lot more. So. Well, here's the, the the second part of this story that I found more interesting. And it's this, because this is specifically a bank. The criticism of saying, okay, listen, you had these very wealthy English businessmen that made their money in the slave trade. They then invest that money into a bank. And now they lend that money out to English citizens that are building businesses, they're building real estate, they're building manufacturing, they're going out. They put the money in play that they got off the slave trade to build a country and build a society and became very, very wealthy because of that. And then that money trickles down to their uh, relatives, their ancestry, and goes out. And so literally the wealth gap was established through slavery. So this group of slaves... They have no wealth. They cannot get a loan. They cannot own real estate. They cannot make their own business. They can't incorporate. They can't uh, be a part of the economy in any way because they are the economy. And then you have the people that are on the other side of the equation building their wealth. And so now you flash forward 300 years and that wealth gap still exists. And that equity gap still exists. And those families are still very wealthy and they still own all the land and they still own stakes in the bank and they still get interest left, right and income streams all over the place. And the black people still are disenfranchised and they still don't have their fair share of the wealth that they help create. And so the second part of this article is what do we do with that? Yeah, It's one thing to take the painting off the wall. It's another thing. Can you unwind and say, this guy made his fortune on slaves. Now that fortune, so let's say it was worth a million dollars in 1700. Now it's worth a billion dollars. What? How much of that is owed to the underlying property, I say in air quotes, which were human beings? Yeah. So I think it's important, again, to ask black people. I think it's also important, it's something that I learned in therapy. If I try to unwind all the crappy things I've done, all the things that I've done to people and I've hurt through the course of my life. I wrote 77 letters through the course 
of therapy of, uh, of asking people to forgive or to call or let's have a conversation. Uh, and, and I've gone over that before. And the crazy thing is you had 177 people respond. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so with that, at some point, like my therapist is like, do you know better now? It's like, yeah, I know better. Are you doing better? Yeah, I'm doing better. It's one thing to know and not do. And I think in a lot of ways, when it comes to what you've just shared, I think we're learning, but I don't think it's changed our behavior. And I'll give you an example of police departments around this country. Do you think police departments have changed? No, they haven't changed. Do we have uniform policing? No. Do we still have people being shot in the back by police officers? We do. We still have people being shot in the back, black people being shot in the back by police officers. I watched a videotape of that yesterday. And so the thing is, if you know this, what are you going to do with this? And now that we know this, we have to ask ourselves as a society, what are we going to do with it? And a lot of times we just move on and we start making more TikTok videos. We'll see you on the other side of this. Hi, everyone. My name is Therese, and I am a new team member with Ron and Don. When you're ready to buy a new home, I am a buyer specialist. Just reach out, and we will send a buyer's playbook that the guys wrote just for you. Go to ronanddonsitdown.com. All right, episode 309. If you need Therese, our, our buyer's agent, just reach out to us, ronanddonsitdown.com, and we'll get you uh, we'll get connected today. All right. Hey, is Jeopardy in Jeopardy? It seems like Mike Richards is going to be the new host. No, he's no longer the new host. It's interesting, though, is he taped, I think, five or six shows. They only showed one. They're going to show those other shows. And the reason they're doing that, because they know people are going to watch those shows. It's really interesting. At the height of Jeopardy's like fame and fortune, they'd have 14.9 million people sit down every night and watch Jeopardy. Now, right now, it's down to 7.8. They'd like to get it back to about 10, 11, 12 million. And it is a juggernaut. Makes a lot of money along with the Wheel of Fortune. Mike Richards now, who was going to try to stick around, and I knew this wasn't going to work. He's like, I'm just going to tuck back into being executive producer here, which I should have done in the first place because I don't want to lose my job over this. He's lost his job. And now what we're finding out is some of the other hosts that, well, you look at a guy like Ken Jennings from the Pacific Northwest. We did terrestrial radio. You actually would come in studio and Ron would play him in Jeopardy. Pretty smart guy. But he said dumb things online, on Twitter, like, quote, you know what's really hot is a, you know what's really sad is a hot person in a wheelchair, close quote. That's something that he said. If he didn't say that and put that out on Twitter nine, 10 years ago, he would probably be the Jeopardy host right now because he got the very best ratings when it came to being the Jeopardy host. A lot of people are talking about LeVar Burton. LeVar Burton's talking about LeVar Burton, but the folks at Jeopardy are not talking about LeVar Burton. Not a lot of people watched it when he was on. People think that he should be the next host. You also know that he's African-American, and some people feel like, well, it wasn't fair to put him up against the Olympics. He only went for a week. The other host got two weeks. Is Jeopardy in Jeopardy? Because what do they do? Do you go back to Ken Jennings? You know that a lot of people are rooting for LeVar Burton, but it could be a very vocal minority. So I'm going to go down this road that I know is is not apples to apples, but roll with me here. Um, in a lot of ways, this is a classic story, and this is what happened to us on the radio. 
is sometimes it's the content and sometimes it's the host and sometimes it's a combination of the content and the host. So we have to remember that there were probably a lot of Alex Trebek fans in the world that weren't very good at trivia, but he was a comforting force in their life. It's part of their routine. They liked his personality and they liked, he had a very sort of understated sense of humor. And so it was Alex doing the show that was the special sauce. So I'd like to bring this around to my first point. Don and I did the news. It was the same news that everybody else did on the radio station um, most of the time. Most of the big stories were the same. But it was the way that we did it, and it's the chemistry that we had. And you always, we always had managers throughout our radio career, and this is why I love doing the podcast with you, that always thought they could do it for cheaper they could do it for they could do it better that it was no big deal that you could take any two people and stick them together and that they could do a show because really what's bringing people to the show is the news they really want the traffic they really want the news and it doesn't really matter who the host is and our position had always been it does matter who the host is Alex Trebek is a thing and the it's the way that Alex did the show hmm. that got you 14 million people and so you need, you're still going to get people. There are still people that listen to our day part that we were on now. Uh, and because they did want to just get the news, but there's also a group of people that now come to follow us over to the podcast because they wanted Ron and Don. Like they have access to the newspaper. They have access to the internet. They have a phone. They can read the headlines. They want for whatever reason, what you and I do was valuable to them. And so I guess my take on this is just pick a host, pick a host, and it's going to be different. The numbers are going to be different. The revenue is going to be different. The show should be different. Change it up. Switch the theme song. Uh, Make the color palette different. Build a different set. Put the people on the left and the guy on the right. Do something to say, we, this is a new chapter of Jeopardy. And maybe make a different round, have different dollar amounts do a wild card segment, do something different to show that the Alex Trebek era is over. This is now a new era. We're going to still give you jeopardy, but it's a new host. It's a new show and it's a new chapter. And that's what I think that the management and these things always miss out on is part of the magic was Alex. And we need to let that have a space in the culture to say, let's honor and respect what Alex Trebek brought to the table. Yeah. I like that. And Mike Richards was not only the executive producer of Jeopardy, but also Wheel of Fortune. Those those two shows tied together. And a lot of the same staff work on both shows. So uh, it'll be interesting when Pat Sajak leaves again, because you remember he was thinking about being a late-night host, and he was a late-night host for about six days. And they're like, Wow. This is worse worse than Chevy Chase or Magic Johnson doing late night shows. So, uh, so then he came back to the wheel. It's no whoopee hour. What about this though? When when Pat Sajak and Vanna, when they're done, stay tuned for the rhombus of fortune. I like it. Hey, you guys! Thanks for listening to the Rod and Dodge Show. We appreciate that, and also thanks for hitting subscribe. Thanks for asking us for our buyer's playbook or seller's playbook and also getting signed up for the newsletter just by going out to uh, ronandonsitdown.com. That's ronandonsitdown.com. Don't forget the show every 
Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Brought to you by our good friends at Les Schwab. We also have another sponsor that's coming on. Can't wait to introduce you to. I think you'll be pretty excited about. For Ron and myself, we just want to remind you, keep your head up and your shoulders back, and we'll see you next time right here for episode 310 on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 On the Ron Don Radio Network.